Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Here's what you need to know about this podcast series. Each of our Cool Time podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity and technology, and each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcasts, who I am, as well as subscription information, is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast tab. Food and exercise. How often have you had to deal with these twin pressures? Somehow in the midst of a busy day, we have to find the time and the discipline to eat right and get more exercise. There are thousands of books and podcasts out there that promise miracles of all types, but when it comes right down to it, there's no single magic solution. But there are some very simple rules that are easy to learn and remember. I had the pleasure recently of chatting with Tim Bean, longevity specialist, keynote speaker, and co-founder, along with Anne Lang, of the Institute of Physique Management, a world-renowned facility that specializes in the art and science of fine-tuning brain and body, and whose client list includes executives and celebrities from all over the world. A couple of podcasts ago, in the episode entitled Rocket Science and Weightlifting, Tim identified the four cornerstones of executive longevity, one of which was intelligent or strategic nutrition. So I asked him to dive into that a little deeper. In this interview, you will hear Tim's five vital principles of strategic nutrition. But before we get to them, he wanted to expand upon the link between exercise and nutrition. Exercise, he says, depends greatly on nutrition to help deliver optimum results, but the two are truly intertwined. So here's Tim talking to us via Skype from his office in New Zealand. The link with exercise and nutrition is fundamental, and, and many times people will ask me, well, which is more important? Should I spend most of my time concentrating on exercise or on nutrition? Here, here's the thing, in terms of effect, one will not work without the other. That's the simple truth. Bad nutrition uh, has no place if you're if you're putting time into exercise because that exercise really just is wasted. Exercise won't mitigate a bad diet at all, but in terms of effort that you put into it, when you go to the gym or you're doing your exercise, that's your 40, 50, 45 or 50 minutes done. That's all you have to spend on that. Whereas the rest of the day, almost every minute of the day, we're faced with making nutritional choices. So you're in the office, someone brings in some cake or some donuts because it's their birthday. Uh, you're going out to a business lunch, for example. You're entertaining clients. You then have meetings during the day or you're on a flight and they're serving snacks and those sorts of things. Those sorts of things, Tim says, stand to neutralize any benefits from exercise by preventing your body from extracting the nutrients and minerals that aid in both feeding the body as well as either burning fat already stored or at least not adding more to the fat pile through inefficient processing. He brings it down to five key principles of effective nutrition. First of all, we need to concentrate on sourcing nutrient-dense foods, what we call NDFs. So these are foods that have the highest bang for their buck in terms of nutrition you're going to get out of them. Vitamins, nutrients, minerals, enzymes, the things that are going to fortify uh, and supply all the uh, cellular action that we need in our bodies to keep us energized, engaged, alert. It might come as no surprise to recognize that the foods that are most dense in nutrients are those found in nature, especially fresh fruits and vegetables. The cool double benefit to this is not just taking in good food, but by doing so, you are less likely to have room for the bad food. The second thing that we consider with nutrient-dense foods is nutrition addition and damage dilution. In other words, if you're cramming nutrient-dense foods into your diet, there's less room for the junk. And let's be very clear about this. Many clients uh, will say to me, well, I eat pretty healthy. And I say, well, define how you, what you mean by eating healthy. They'll say, well, I don't eat pies, fries, burgers, chips, pizza. You know, I don't eat junk. 
listen, understand that just because you don't eat junk doesn't mean that you eat healthy. In just the same way that just because you're not bankrupt doesn't mean you're wealthy. The greater time you can spend and the more effective you are at putting nutrition into your diet, the less room there is for food that is empty calories, that is bad calories, that's high in sugar, that's high in salt, that's highly processed, all the things that have calorie value um, but are not really energizing. I found that to be an interesting distinction, especially given how confusing the physics of food and calories can be. Foods that have calorie value but not really energizing. And that's the difference because you, you can tell the difference between someone uh, who has a lot of calories on board and, and so you turn sideways, you see the size of their belly, you can tell they get more calories, therefore more energy than they probably know what to do with. So how come these people are dead on their feet? And yet you can find someone who has a nutrient-dense diet that is lean and sharp and in shape and they're bursting with energy. Why? Because they're getting vitality, they're getting enzyme activity from the food that they're eating. And that's really, really important when we consider how hormones are even processed. The pathway for hormones to translate from, for example, testosterone into DHT rather than converting into estrogen. If your diet is nutritionally poor, that won't happen. So, moving on, it seems essential then to get a little more insight into where these nutritionally dense foods come from and how to prepare them. Uh, the third thing is about raw power. So, so cooking foods versus heating or even eating foods that, that aren't cooked. It's easy to get raw or, or uncooked food into your diet. Of course, no one wants to eat raw food all the time, so I asked him to elaborate on a more subtle area of food preparation, the difference between cooking and heating. If you get some, some vegetables, for example, broccoli, uh, and back in the day when my mum and my nana used to cook meals, it would be boiled and boiled and boiled. Cabbage was the same thing and Brussels sprouts. And I mean, you just need to put it on the plate and it would fall apart into a pile of mush. Uh, but no, I'm talking about just heating a food, getting it warm and hot so you can eat it, but it still has that crunch. It still has that life force in there and you haven't killed all the enzyme activities in it. Which leads to the next question. How much of this should we have? When we're looking at those sorts of foods, the next message is get eight on your plate in the day. Uh, typically, governments have told us, you know, you need to get five, five fruit and veg a day. Now we know in terms of the nutritional value of our foods, we're talking about getting eight vegetables on your plate plus a couple of servings of fruit. Now, the reason why I'm so big on that, obviously, is nutrition. But the second thing is fiber. Getting dietary fiber into your system is really, really important. And uh, so many times, I mean, we, we visit the U.S. quite a lot speaking, and we've got a lot of friends there and business contacts that we're working with as well. I can't believe the number of stores I go into and see huge tubs, like two and a half pound tubs of laxatives. People's digestive systems are in such poor shape, they have to rely on these just to get a normal bodily function. I'm sorry, but as a physiologist, that's just wrong on every level. There's something seriously going wrong with that. And I think it's because most people, 80% of people are getting fewer than two servings of vegetables a day. Uh, and, and, and that really needs to be addressed if we're going to start improving our internal health, our gut biome and how our body processes uh, fuel and turns it into living vital fuel that we need in business. You've put a whole lot of your career into developing yourself and building yourself to that position. You need to start thinking of yourself as that A-lead athlete in business that you are. And, and A-lead athletes don't take their nutrition to chance at all. One of the things I love about the way Tim describes food is how he makes it truly appear as a 24-7 thing. I don't mean that we should eat 24-7, but he paints a picture of how food converts into fuel and is working for you all the time. By comparing people positively to elite athletes, he describes us all as being on the same path, focused on excellence even when we're not directly competing. Every minute of an elite athlete's day, including rest and eating, contributes in some way to the goal. 
there's no reason that we non-elite athletes shouldn't think of ourselves in exactly the same way. A meal is not a unique and isolated activity. It is part of your elite continuum. The last thing we need to consider with all those other elements is being wise about size. Portion control is probably the biggest challenge that we have today. Consumers are demanding value for money. So anywhere you go, for what you pay, people are expecting a large plate full of food. They're expecting some volume. But you have to be smart about this. You have to be smart and strategic about your nutrition and say, what are my body needs? And if you can fit a meal inside two cupped hands, that's about the right size. That's about the size that your stomach will hold in any serving. And if you've satisfied the other elements of this nutrient-dense foods, you've reduced the amount of damaging foods that you're taking on board because of that. Most of those foods are, are heated rather than cooked to death. You're getting plenty of them, but the portion sizes per meal are small. Actually, that's all you need to worry about. You don't really then need to start writing down elements or recipes in the diet. You'll start to intuitively and naturally gravitate towards the foods that are going to serve you best for what you need on a day-to-day -day level in business. So there you have it. A few more minutes with health and vitality expert Tim Bean. Hopefully, this will make it a little easier to decide what to have and what not to have for your next meal. You are, after all, we all are in the same boat as elite athletes. Maybe no one has ever told you that before, but Tim now has. You can find out more about Tim and Anne's practical approaches to health, exercise, diet, and anti-aging by visiting the Institute of Physique Management at this really cool address, www.thehardedge.com. Their book, The Wealthy Body in Business, Earn More Money by Being in Better Shape, is available at Amazon. If you have a comment about the show or a question you would like answered in a future episode, please let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Prentice, S-T-E-V-E-N-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E. And on LinkedIn, just search for Cool Time Life, no spaces, just as one word. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really like what you hear, you can help support us with a small donation of $1, 2 or $5 via PayPal. The link to that is at steveprentice.com under the podcast link. The theme music to Cool Time Life was obtained through podcastthemes.com. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Thanks for listening.